Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody-Mels. I'm Torre, and I think dropping bombs on hurricanes is a great idea. What could possibly go wrong? Perhaps Trump should declare war on climate change and just drop nukes everywhere things aren't going right. Nothing changes Mother Nature's bad attitude like a bomb dropping on her head. Trump, of course, denied saying that, even though we are sure he did. But look, he's only denying media's integrity because it helps him wall himself off from the truth. And this, this the lack of trust that he has deeply sown in America, mm-hmm. especially in his folks, is going to be a lasting problem for this country. And I'm not sure how we put it back together when you say you can't trust media. How does media then prove, with no evidence, how does the media prove over time, though, you actually can and should Trust us. Well, this is the this is the beauty of Trump's insanity, which mm. is that he puts everyone else on the defensive. Frankly, the media shouldn't have to figure out a way to get back the public's trust because they didn't lose the public's trust. It is Trump and his 30 percent of people who are deplorable, who don't believe facts, who don't believe science. And so the media's job in this moment is to continue to do what it's doing, which is call out Trump's lies, which is challenge him in 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 interviews and essentially put him on his heels, put him on the defensive, say what Yamish Alessandra said recently, which was Mm. "Mm, that's a lie. Actually, that's not true. Part of the problem is that we have Fox and this right-wing propagandist media, quote-unquote media apparatus, non-serious media Mm -hmm. that pretends to be serious media, right, even Mm -hmm. though Mm -hmm. they are to CNN and MSNBC, like, you know, MSNBC would be maybe the Lakers, CNN the (laughs) and the Warriors, Fox the Globetrotters. The Globetrotters. And I don't think we should insult the Globetrotters like that because they take a lot of skill to do what they it do. It takes a lot. Well, it takes a lot of skill to lie like does Fox it? does. Yeah. Because I could just do it all day, every day. But it's it's confusing to a lot of people to understand, oh, that's not real media. That's just entertainment pretending to be media. Mm-hmm. But this over here is actually media, especially when right-wing media, 
Not left-wing media, not centrist media, but right-wing media spends a lot of its time saying you can't trust them. That is not what Rachel Maddow and the New York Times are doing, right? But the right is constantly Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, all of them, uh, Glenn Beck, constantly saying you can't trust them, you can only trust us. And I have said time and time again that we need to stop going after those people. They are the lost ones, not the chosen ones. They are the lost ones. We need to let them go. Go with God. Go with Trump. Go, you know, go off of a cliff. I am not trying to win back those people and neither should the media. What the media's responsibility is to do is to call a lie a lie. And what they've been doing is using these euphemisms like falsehoods, untruths. No, we all learn the difference in kindergarten between a lie and the truth, right? And so we should just say the president is lying to the American public. Every time that you are on radio, every time that you are on television, every time that you are in a press conference, which he rarely ever does now, Mm. anytime you have a White House briefing, which he only does in front of a helicopter, you need to Mm. call the president out, not wait to fact check him after. Fact check in real time. But it's not sustainable to have about half of the country thinking we cannot trust media. And it's not that we have two different conversations. Mm-hmm. It's that or two different sorts of truth. We have half the country not believing in the truth, not receiving actual information and acting on uh, disinformation or misinformation. That's not sustainable as a country. We have to have one conversation. You can have a different opinion sure. on a given fact, but when you are given non-facts and that's your basis and I'm operating on facts, we how do we have a conversation? I mean, we don't have state-run TV. This is in China. So we're not going to have one pathway to the truth or the truth that people want us to see. I think that the reality is, is that we just have, journalists have to do their job and not fall victim to Trump, which is constantly, like I said, being on the defensive. You have to call out Every time that he he is in the paper, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the New York Times, their headline should be about calling out Trump's lies. You know what? Trump lied today. Do you know what? He doesn't know where Alabama is. Do you Mm. know Trump Mm. thinks that you should drop uh, nuclear bombs and hurricanes? He clearly didn't take earth science. We need to do that job. And that's what the media has been falling short on. We're never going to be able to compete with Fox News because don't let facts get in the way of a good story. You have the Shep Shepherds. You have some of those folks that will call out Donald Trump, but on the mainstay, they are state TV for him. Especially primetime Laura, Tucker, and Sean, who talks to him constantly. But, you know, I have worked in media for a couple decades, as have you. I'm not that old to her, right? That was just rude. <laughs> it wasn't meant to I've be been rude. an intern. It wasn't meant to be <laughs> I've been an intern. <laughs> you've been around for 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 however long you've mm-hmm. been around. You're your experience, you're a veteran. But I mean, you know, I have worked in a lot of different media organizations. Um yeah. and I have found generally media people to be incredibly trustworthy. Yes. Their integrity mm-hmm. is everything to them. The f- getting it right, being truthful, and more than truthful, being honest, is incredibly important to the basic uh, exchange of information that we call doing media. So the notion that we are not telling the truth or that we are spreading lies purposefully is just not based in reality. The sort of person who goes into this is a person who wants to tell the story Mm -hmm. and to tell it accurately and honestly, to speak truth to power, to be able to say, this is right, this is wrong, even when it's at danger to yourself. This is wrong. This is happening. This is real. And it's not right. And to 
denigrate an entire profession of hardworking, trustworthy people is hurtful to me. And sure. to be part of that group is very hurtful. And it's not right. And, you know, he has he he attacks media without evidence. So it's just but like you anybody don't, but can But you say, don't need any. Sucks. He doesn't need any evidence. He doesn't need any truths. He just needs to scream fire in the middle of a movie theater. That's what Trump does. And when we don't call it out, when we continue to fall, follow, follow around with the Trump show, that's when we get into problems. Journalists... They do an act of service to tell people the truth, to go into difficult places, to uncover the truth about certain situations that are dangerous to them. It, the idea that Trump has turned the media into the enemy of the state, those people mm. need to ask themselves, why? Why does Trump believe that they're the enemy of the state? Because they're not blowing smoke up his ass on a regular basis? Right. Why? Because they disagree with him? Why? Because they're asking for facts to back up these tweets that he's putting out? Is it re- real policy or is it just a Twitter tirade? Like, these are real things. And I believe that the media needs to push back hard. They need to keep this administration and the president's feet to the fire and ask him the hard questions. Ask them the hard questions and don't let them pull a Chuck Todd, which is like, oh, let me ask you yes or no, and then we'll move on to the next Mm. thing. No, Mm. no. Dig deeper than that. We also need to ask Trump the simple questions. (laughs) Not just the hard questions, (laughs) but the simple questions. Mm -hmm. Like, where's Alabama? (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Can you name anything that's in the bill that you're talking about? (laughs) Have you read the Constitution? (laughs) Have you read the Constitution? He would fail the simple questions. Let me... I'm pretty sure he would fail the citizenship test. yeah, a hundred percent. No doubt. Can you? We, we gave him like the map. Can you? How many states? The blank map. How many states can you name? Recite the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you think he could get to fifteen? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he surely he could definitely tell you where his hotels are. Right, right, right. He the could states definitely... where he has a hotel. He could name mm, those. He could tell you the cities he that they're in. <laughs> The city. I got one in Chicago. I don't know what state that is. Yeah, I don't know what state that is. Right, exactly. It's in the middle, I think. So let me turn turn you for a moment because the subject this week uh, had me think about my childhood. I grew up in Boston Mm -hmm. in the 70s, long before you were around. (laughs) (laughs) And Boston in the 70s had this like symbolic shadow over it of Mm -hmm. the Kennedy family Mm. and the Kennedy mystique and Camelot. Mm -hmm. And I grew up going to JFK's house and going to the Kennedy Museum all the time. And it was just sort of a lot of black people had JFK of portrait on the wall along with King and Jesus, right? Real talk. That's deep. And it sort of segued in me, in my life, to seeing the Democrats constantly looking for Mm. another Kennedy. Mm -hmm. You know, like Christians are waiting for Jesus to come back. Mm -hmm. Democrats are waiting for Kennedy to come back. And it's always like, can we find somebody who's young, who's charismatic, who's exciting? You know, he can talk policy, but he can also kiss babies and the women love him and the men want to hang out with him. I believe his name was Barack. It was Barack ticked all those boxes Mm -hmm. and surprised a lot of people because, oh, we didn't realize it would be a black guy. Like, yeah, it will. So was Jesus. Um, (laughs) You know, we hoped that Dukakis would be that. Not enough charisma. We hoped that Kerry would be that. Not Not enough personality. Not enough personality. 
From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. The most Kennedy esque person in this group uh-huh. could be Beto. Ooh. Could be Beto O'Rourke. Is it the in hair? In terms of the youth, the charisma, uh-huh. the seeming passion for politics. He doesn't yes. seem like a politician who's going to tell you what the polls told him to tell mm-hmm. you, but who's saying things he really believes and really seems to care about the people. That seems to me to be the sort of undercurrent of his campaign. He also makes me think of people like Colin Powell and perhaps um, who's the governor of Texas who couldn't name three departments in the debate? The one with the glasses who looked, he had the, he had the chiseled chin, the jaw. Oh, no. And then he couldn't, he couldn't name, I want to shut down three departments, agriculture <laughs> and education and and couldn't think of the other one he wanted to shut down. God, I can't think of the who name that is. Will come. The, the name, name will come. But these are people who were gigantic names before they got in the race. Right. And the moment they got in the race, their number mm-hmm. fizzled. Fizzled. And showed, oh, in reality, there isn't. There, there's a lot of media attention and excitement around these sort of people, Beto included. But is there real excitement for him on the ground? I'm not seeing it. I think that people are. I think that as of late, as of late, Beto has turned a corner. Now, let's understand that he has had to reset his campaign, not once, not twice, but three times. After coming out in Vanity Fair, right, that was his big, ta-da, I'm running for president, um, that he did on the cover. Is that where you would have a candidate like that announce he's running? Sure, no. No. Cover Vanity Fair? Not that one. No. No. Vanity Fair, great. I don't really? think that it says 
politics, no. president. No. I don't think that it says those things. And so he has had to reset his campaign quite a few times. I think that where Beto thrives is on the ground. I think that when people get to meet him, when he is in churches, when he is out town halls, when he is standing on top of uh, coffee tables at a coffee shop, he provides that energy, that vigor that you're talking about, that that nostalgia, nostalgia that we want of uh, Barack Obama, of a JFK. He gets people going. And I think that as of late, especially around gun reform, which he is the strongest candidate on at this very moment because of what of the mass shooting that took place in El Paso. Mm. And the fact is is that Beto has been exasperated by congressional inaction. He's been exasperated by the fact that here we are, and we had two mass shootings within 14 hours of each other, and we have done nothing. Mitch McConnell said, no, we're going to stay on recess until after Labor Day. That's what we're doing. Nothing to see here, folks. Don't worry about it. I think that his F-bombs, his you know, his bullshits, all of the things that he has been saying, um, that's real Beto. Beto has stopped performing the presidency, mm. and he's actually just raw himself. This is where I think so many politicians, including Hillary Clinton, including Amit Romney, all went wrong, right? You couldn't go past the veneer. You couldn't get to them. Beto has stopped performing, and he act- is just acting. Really he powerful. is just himself, and I think that that is what is so endearing. Now, if his other policies looked like his gun reform policy, then I think that he would see higher numbers in the polls right now. But he's not there on that level. But I think the charisma and I think with him charged up about the fact that we have just allowed this to be the norm in America. Gun violence is just the norm. If it's a weekend, if it's a weekday, if it's an elementary school, if it's a Walmart, wherever it is, it's just, you know, you're taking your life into your own hands. Only 20 people got killed. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? That's That's what Mitch McConnell says when he's over cocktails with the NRA. That's not the worst one we've had this month. Exactly. Um, You know, I, one thing you may not, um, expect about me? I hate Ted Cruz. Oh, really? <laughs> you don't have his picture on your wall next to Jesus? Like so many Americans and so many Texans, I hate Ted Cruz. And so I was paying attention to the Beto Ted Cruz uh, race, mm-hmm. and I watched one of the debates, and I was struck by the amount of times that Beto would talk about racial issues and Mm -hmm. how he would drive everything to racial issues yeah and they even they asked him about a dui that he got caught for years ago and somehow within 45 seconds he turned it from talking about what he did and what happened to him to white privilege and how uh you know a black person in the same situation would have a much rougher situation a much rougher time of it and i was like how did we get to talking about black Mm. people and race and not that you're wrong no he did that smart pivot (laughs) he's like don't talk about my dui you know what could have been worse a black dui a black dui and i wouldn't be here right now so we can all if i was black i wouldn't be i'd be under the jail yeah no i mean you know he is as focused if not more on black and brown issues yes. than anybody else. Yes. And he fully understands that black and brown people are the core of the Democratic Party and pulling them in is the only chance that he has. 
And he's good for talking about black issues all the time. He is. And when I really started to take notice of Beto, and this was during, I believe, his Senate race, when he went into the black church, one of the black churches in Texas, and he was talking about um, violence. And he was talking about the fact that too many unarmed black men, women, and children are dying at the hands of police. And like, why aren't we having that conversation? And until Mm. we get to the core of that, until we start talking about white supremacy and how it trickles in to all facets of our life, we're never going to make any progress. I watched that. I think I watched that on loop at least three or four times. And I said, he's going to run for president because this is a conversation that a white person needs to be having because we black people have been talking about this until we're blue in the face and the needle is only moving. But, you know, a, a, a half a, a half an inch, you know, every every 10 years. And so I feel his passion. I feel his energy. And I also feel his perspective. The thing that I'm loose on, though, is Beto's actual hardcore policies. Now I see him saying that gun reform, that's my issue. Like until we get to the core of why we love our guns more than we love our children, as until we get to the core about why the Constitution is important, but it's only the Second Amendment that matters, mm. this is his issue to th- to. Th- rise on. And I think that that's incredibly important, but there are so many other issues that are really important in America right at this very moment. And I'm kind of shaky on where he is in comparison to his, to the other candidates. Well, you know, immigration was a central issue for Trump and he made it much more than a policy issue. He painted it as this apocalyptic issue that defines the future of our country and in a lot of ways and for a lot of voters it actually does and are we going to continue to have a white america that serves and works for white people Mm -hmm. are we going to have a black and brown and colorful america with taco trucks on every corner and (laughs) and this and if 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 it were to happen that you had a trump beto general election Immigration would be the central issue. Yes, it would. And they would be on the opposite, most possible opposite poles of that issue. But they're arguing about the very future of America. And are we going to include the world, oppressed people, brown people, fully in our future? Or are we going to repress them, keep as many of them out, push them away, and rise up the white supremacy and the white privilege? And, I mean, it's almost like you know, what a novelist would choose to do, right? The the most anti-immigration president Mm -hmm, possible mm -hmm. comes up against the most pro-immigration... Who actually lives... At a border, at a near border, the border uh, near the border, speaks Spanish fluently right. and all the time, right? All the time, all the time. <laughs> and you know, but also it makes me think about how come Beto gets to run when he lost. And Stacey Abrams is on the sidelines talking about what she's going to do in the future. You know what? That was a choice. We have to understand that this was a choice that Stacey Abrams has made. But it is also, this is also, goes back to the media, though. In terms of who the media was pumping up to get in the race, right? Beto was one of them. Beto was was being, you know, was being hailed as the future of the party. Look at the way he took on Ted Cruz, even though he didn't win. And he was the one that was being courted by the media to join the race. 
My problem with that is that neither Andrew Gillum or Stacey Abrams were being courted by the media on a regular basis to join. Well, well, you know, to be fair, neither of them were in a rock band when they were younger. Okay. Totally. Neither of them were skateboarders when they were younger. Got it. <laughs> Uh, and I, so I think that it's also, I think that to your earlier point, it is also the media's fascination and desire around a JFK ish mm-hmm. type of person, which only looks one type of way mm-hmm. as a white cisgender straight man. Come on. Right. So when we talk about the future, there is this, there is also this nostalgia framing that the media does and who they think the mantle is going to go to the person that is most like the most beloved politician that there was for the Democrats. And that was JFK. Who is the, you know, we have this conversation around Pete Buttigieg and him being the most Obama-like because he's very academic and very cerebral in, in the conversations that he has. So I think it's interesting that when we look at the framing of who can be that next JFK, that next person, that it's never looked at as a person of color. No, it's not. And, you know, when I was talking about who is the next JFK figure, I was driving towards setting up this Beto conversation, but I'm also thinking, why not Elizabeth Warren? Mm-hmm. Why can't she be JFK? I mean, like, critical to the analogy is youth. But I don't look at Elizabeth Warren as an old person any more than I look at Bernie as an old person. And they have old numbers. They are AARP members. Correct. But there's a youthful vigor and energy Mm -hmm. to them and to their ideas that's not clinging to the past. That's not trying to make America be the 50s again, but it's trying to move forward. And that, to me, is youthful and exciting, ideologically youthful and exciting. And I think that that's right. I don't think that the JFK model is really about age. I think that it's about passion, and I think that it is about vigor and the desire to really be bold in the vision that you have to move this country forward. And in that sense... There are a couple of candidates that are in this race that are JFK-esque in terms of the mantle that they carry, in terms of the passion Kamala and the Harris. following that they that they have received over the past several months since they've announced. Kamala is is one of them. Cory Booker. Um, Cory Booker is a great orator. Fantastic. Every time he speaks, I am energized. And I smile. But he doesn't, they don't catch fire in the same way. And I think that that is a part of the way that the media has characterized them, part of the amount of time that they have been given, right? Uh, In terms of how they came out. And look, the thing that I like about Beto, the thing that I like about him is that he actually does on a daily basis, because he frames everything around race, recognize his privilege, Recognize yes. his privilege, and I, you know, and I, and I like that in white and people. And I, I, I appreciate it. I wish all white people did that. Recognize his privilege in these varied moments, and in the same vein, because I have been talking about this a lot, him dropping his f bombs and cursing on cable news networks. Could Kamala Harris do that? No. Could Elizabeth Warren do that? No. No, they couldn't. No. Could Cory Booker do that? He has. He he has dropped, he you know. He might be able to pull it off. Right. He has pulled it off. He pulled it off on the debate stage. Yeah. 
Men can do that. Yeah. And I think that in rec- in Beto recognizing his white privilege, he also needs to recognize his male privilege mm. in saying that when I I have I am in a position to say that I have had enough. That like stop ask, asking me questions that you know the fucking answer to, which mm. is what he said to a reporter. But Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, they could not do that. Amy's still in it. Amy is still in the race, Torre. You know, you know, all and she will be on the stage next week. All of us came away from 2016 with a clear understanding of how media shapes the race, not mm-hmm. just covers it, but creates the race. We all saw Trump is being overcovered. That helped knock out all other candidates, yep. suck up all the oxygen. Yep. The more media attention you get positive or negative, it says to voters, you are an important candidate. I should pay attention. I should pay attention to you. And Trump getting too much attention helped fuel his Mm -hmm. campaign. We weren't just covering it. We were helping him along. And that's a big reason why, one of the many reasons why he was elected. And as you're pointing out, media doing that yet again, giving Beto an overabundance of attention. Democratic voters have not responded in the same way as no. Republican voters did to Trump, but Trump had, you know, it's it's an analogy of scale. Trump had way more uh, attention. Name recognition. Well, name attention, recognition, but yeah. also attention in mm-hmm. real time from media than Beto has gotten. But it is definitely a media coronation. This is the guy we like. This is the candidate we find intellectually sexy. This is the candidate we want to cover, which is part of why we saw in the first debate so many people seem to want to attack Beto. I'm like, he's 17th in the polls. Which but was so interesting. He's, but he's the guy media loved. He's the cool guy. So we're going to try to punch him in and the face. And also, he was really good in the debate one-on-one against Ted Cruz. He made Ted Cruz look like a fool. Yeah. But on a debate stage with, no, it's not, uh, with multiple candidates, he has yet to shine. He (laughs) has yet to walk away from debate one, debate two, uh, with any type of, oh, Beto had a moment. Beto has not had a moment. Not at all. Can I say to black and brown voters, actually, let me me sharpen that. Can I say to black voters, Mm -hmm. you should consider, you should vote for Beto in a race where... There's Kamala, there's Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warren, there's Bernie Sanders, there's Cory Booker. This guy cares deeply about black issues. He's super, super aware of white privilege. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But I'm not ready to tell people you should consider this guy when you have these other fantastic options. I think the only way that you would consider Beto in a serious way uh, and I honestly, I agree with the Houston Chronicle that Beto should leave the race and run for Senate uh, again. I think that he can do so much to turn the state of Texas purple than he's ever going to be able to make a dent into the presidency and into this um, into this race. I think that the only way that he becomes appealing is if everybody else drops off. And then you start digging into him and you and you start um, really looking at his policies in a way to say, how will this line up for black folks? How will it line up for brown folks? But he he has not, again, found a way to really shine in this large field. He doesn't shine on the debate stages, but he does shine in gaggles. Yes. Right. When there's 10 or 20 reporters around him, him and it's just him. And I think I'm not ready for him to drop out of the race, even though I'm not ready to uh, encourage people to vote for him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like he does have the ability to shape the conversation in valuable ways. He's like, I want you in the conversation and the others having to respond to you and your ideas. And when you're saying, hey, media, stop asking dumb questions. Yeah. I think that's valuable for the entire conversation that media is having with all these candidates. I think that he's going to add, in the same way that Jay Inslee was trying to move the conversation hmm. about climate towards climate change, having bigger, more in-depth conversations around climate change, I think that Betcha will do the same for gun reform because that is clearly an immigration. That is clearly what he knows. He seems to do it and for where common sense. Yes. Right. Like he, like, like what Barack would talk about. This is the silly season. This is a really dumb thing to talk. Like Beto will be like, stop asking me dumb questions. Right. Like, please stop asking stupid questions Let's and like real. get to the core of the issue. Let's be intelligent mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, Rick Perry was the name I was oh, looking dear. for. The Texas governor who I couldn't can't name. Stand him. He couldn't name three departments. I couldn't name. And I couldn't name two him. of his names. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Governor. Thanks for trying. Um, Maybe Bernie next week? Maybe Bernie next week. Maybe Bernie next week. Maybe Marianne? You're so resistant to doing Bernie. Maybe (laughs) Yang? Yang gang. My son would be so... My son is almost 12. He's all about Andrew Yang. Partly because he thinks that the universal basic income is a really valuable idea. I try to explain to him. Do you him, give him allowance he, or no? No, I don't give him allowance. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> well, I try to explain to him, even if Yang were president for eight years, you'll still never see it because you'll be in college by the time he gets out. But I think that's only like 30% of why he loves Andrew Yang. The other one is he loves saying Yang Gang. I can't say it only four times. I saw a black, a young black woman in an Andrew Yang uh, shirt, Yang Gang. And I honestly wanted to tap her on the shoulder. I didn't. And I should from now on when I see people in their campaign buttons that I'm just like, that doesn't seem to work. Uh, and I wanted to ask her, like, what is it? And I, obviously with Yang, it is universal basic in, uh, basic well, of income. Of course it is. He has no other uh, ideas. But, but you know what I think would be interesting? 
What I would love is if all of these candidates were to come together like, you know, kind of like the the superstar, kind of like the 1980s cartoon Voltron, where they all got to hammer Trump on their on their signature issues. And that way showcase to the American public just how hardcore Democrats are on gun reform, on immigration, on climate change, and just hammer him with policy. I think that that would probably be the most perfect display of what it means to be a Democrat when we're starving for leadership right now. I wonder if that young woman thought Yang Gang's some new rap group. That is really ignorant. Are you saying that because she <laughs> It sounds is, like it could be a rap it's group. It's not a rap group. She didn't could, think it was a it rap could, group. It could be. Yang Gang could be a name What, of a like cool the Ying Yang Twins? Exactly. Or no, the Wu-Tang Torrid. Clan. No. Yes. No, she wants her universal basic income. $1,000 a month. Everybody gets paid. I'm you, here for it. You get a car. You get a car. You get hey, a car. I'll go line up for that check. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. We'll be back next week. With maybe Bernie. Bernie. <laughs>